Hey everybody, Adam Stott here. Thanks for checking out my podcast, Business Grow Secrets. You're absolutely in the right place. This podcast is going to reveal to you all of the secrets that you've been looking to discover that can allow you to cure your cash flow problems, attain more clients, bring in more leads for your business, and create systems and processes that give you the growth that you want. You are going to discover the business growth secrets you have been looking for that I've used to sell over 50 million pounds worth of products and services on social media and help clients everywhere to grow their businesses on the mark. So let's get started on the Business Growth Secrets podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Business Growth Secrets. Really, really excited today. So I've got an amazing guest with me. Um, Angela Middleton, who is an MBA. She's run businesses for 20 years. She's been super successful in business, is also a podcaster, been a podcaster since 2017, an author, a mum of two, and uh, just generally a superwoman who really believes in fitness in terms of how fitness can build into better business performance. So really excited to have you on, Angela. Can't wait to have a great conversation. You know, welcome and uh, really looking forward to getting into our chat today. Yeah, thanks so much. Me too. And lovely to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Pleasure, pleasure. So what what I always like to do when I, I bring guests on, Angela, is, you know, a lot of people listening, building businesses, growing businesses, you know, across your career of building businesses over 20 years and, you know, building a, a rather large business as well and podcasting, branding, winning MBAs is a lot to unpack here. Why don't we kind of go all the way back to you know, the beginning when you were first maybe starting out in business, what was your thought process? You know, how did you get started? What were some of the fears and, you know, the struggles and challenges you had right at the beginning? Yeah, I mean, um, well, I worked in businesses for corporate businesses for 20 years. So I had my first job was with BP Oil for 10 years. I sort of worked up the ranks there, you know, and learned the sort of corporate environment. And then I moved to the Woolwich, which became Barclays Bank for another 10 years. And I suppose what happened was, you know, I realized it's quite funny being a female in that sort of environment back in the 80s, because little things stick in my mind about my reviews and things. You know, one of my bosses told me I was too ambitious, you know, and so I had sort of comments like that that as I sort of went through. And I remember being a bit frustrated that I would work on things quite passionately. I was one of those that would work all hours and do whatever I needed to do. I had, you know, two young children in my 30s as well. But, um, you know, I I hated the way that projects would just get abandoned all of a sudden. And so when I got to 39, I remember being I was reporting at board level to Barclays then. And I looked at the chairman and he looked exact, you know, exhausted. I just thought, I just really don't want your job, you know. And so I thought and also I was employing consultants then as part of my team and they were earning about a thousand pounds per day. And I thought I could be one of those, you know, and just not have all the aggro either way. So both those thought processes made me leave. I left and. I thought I'll have six months looking after my children. I was lucky enough, you know, I'd save some money. I was able to do that and sort of do the things that working mums think they can't, you know, they miss out on picking the kids up at the school gates and doing all the the things like that. But that turns out to be not that exciting because kids don't really need you. They go to after school club and everything like that, you know. And so I started to feel a bit sort of wasting my time, I suppose. And so I sort of thought, what businesses shall I do? And I loved fashion and I was going to do shoes and to cut, I won't bore you with all of those details, but that didn't work out for whatever reason. And then the other thing was um, 
uh, recruitment and uh, I could see I knew some people that are in recruitment. I'd been doing it a lot as part of all my different jobs, hiring IT people. So typically of a new business person, you know, you're a really good operator and you think, oh, I'll just do it on my own, not realizing all the different skills that you need to actually run a business. But so I, but I just went headlong in without knowing all those potential challenges, which is a good thing, I think, in retrospect. Many many people do, right? Is many people. uh, I had exactly the same experience. You know, exactly the same experience. Not understanding marketing, not understanding numbers, not understanding branding. Just being able to sell, and then actually realizing I was in at the deep end. So when when you started the business, what happened then? You know, what was the journey to building those skill sets, and what was your initial sort of foray into business like? Well, it was um, January. I always remember we opened the doors on uh, January two thousand and three. And my sister-in-law, she was working three days a week. First of all, you know, she said she was just going to work for me. She left Reed Employment. She'll do three days a week. I'll do three days a week. I thought it was just going to be a bit of a breeze. But uh, it wasn't like that at all, because what I quickly realized is the business owner is like, there's so much to do except for the actual business, because I'd set up the office. I was sorting out the computers, sorting out the telephones. You know, you get your first client. They don't, they need to be invoiced. They don't pay you on time. And you chase money, you try and start hiring people, they mess you about. And when all that's done, you're cleaning the loose and putting the rubbish out and trying to keep the office tidy. And so it was just full on. There was just so much and makes me laugh now with some of my clients. They say, oh, you know, I, I think I want to leave my job and start a business because, you know, I want a life. I don't want so much anxiety. I just want my own. I want my own time. And I think, look, you know, go in with the right mindset, which is like you're working you're your own worst boss really in a way because you never give yourself time off and um, so the challenges for me were was just there was so much to do so much operational stuff that the things that I really like doing you know dealing with the clients and hiring and everything I found that I wasn't doing it as much as I wanted to at the beginning and um, so that was there's a really great book called uh, the Richard Gerber what's it called something revisited Emith, yeah the email, yeah, the email's revisited, and that's the one. And uh, he explains all that actually. Yeah. So I wish I'd read that at the beginning. Anyone who's about to start with that, <laughs> work, work, work in on the business, not in the business, right? Which is yeah, the, all of that. Uh, Easier said than done, though. It's just you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and and how did we manage to sort of get through those challenges? And, and sort of drive that business to success because the business really grew, right? And yeah. Some amazing success in it. So what kind of, what was that? What happened there? Well, what was the breakthroughs? Yeah, I mean, obviously we're talking 20 years, you yeah. know, and people look now and go, oh, wow, you know, it was amazing and everything. But it did take 20 years and 20 years is a bloody long time, you know, when you when you look back now. And I think, you know, we like all businesses, we had peaks and troughs, fast trajectory, and then suddenly it slowed down and plateaued. And I suppose, you know, every now and again, I would hire someone. I mean, I did lots of hires that didn't work out, nice people and everything, but just didn't work out for whatever reason. But every now and again, you hire someone and they do make a change. You know, they get some really good clients or they have a different perspective. So I say that that would create step changes every time you've got a really good person. And I think as well, the the networking and the contacts that I made, you know, really, I was one of those, and I would really recommend this. I was one of those, had my eyes open all the time, you know, looking at uh, going to conferences, thinking, oh God, you know, I could do without going, but I'm going anyway. And I remember, for example, going to a thing, I mean, all those years ago, 2012, I think it was, Boris Johnson talking about apprenticeships. And I remember thinking, we're preparing young people for work all the time. You know, that that's something that I should look at. Pre that, I remember someone saying to me, oh, you know, you should apply for this contract 
it, with the Department of Work and Pensions for newly unemployed professionals. This was in the when the tap turned off in 20, 2008, 2009. I mean, that was a real downtime. I remember one Friday afternoon quickly filling it out, really thinking, you know, God, we're, we're in a bit of a sticky situation here in 2008. I'd invested in a big office. I had about 60 staff at that time. And it was like the tap turned off. Suddenly the phone stopped ringing and they're all laughing and having a you know a bit of a relaxing time. And I'm thinking, oh God, I've got to pay them all. Um, but it's those sorts of things that push you to, um, and I filled out that form and then bang, we got a contract and that, that resulted in a couple of million turnover for that year. Um, so I think, you know, there's been ups and downs, but I think the, the themes, if I look back now is that just when you don't expect it, as long as you've got your eyes, eyes open, you keep on looking for opportunities and going for them. It's always ones you don't expect that pop up and make a big difference. The same with people when you're hiring people. So, um, so overall, I think the message is like, you just got to keep going really, because you just don't really know, no matter how experienced you are, you never know what's going to work and what's not going to. Yeah. And, and being in business 20 years, right, is, is no no small feat. And, and, and staying in it and staying focused on one thing, yeah. you know, is incredibly important as well, because, you know, if you stay focused on staying for 20 years, it's, it's almost unreasonable to not expect that you're going to get some good results over that course of time. Right. But a yeah, lot of I, change and, you know. Yeah. I mean, we did, um, I would definitely say keep your eyes open and diversify because we did twist and turn. Um, and I say we because, you know, obviously I built this team up, but you do feel like it's just you sometimes, you know, when you're when you're making the decisions, especially when there's problems and, and you know, you're sitting on your own at night looking at spreadsheets and everything. But I do think you have to be ready to diversify. So basically what happened was that we started re- doing recruitment. It was up and down, but gradually the trajectory was up. And um, it it was really doing nicely. And it was a plateau, really, at turning over a couple of million for it's frustrating. I couldn't seem to get past the two million, you know, per annum. And then then it got to 2008, like I say, and we had some really big clients, but we're making no money on them at all. So it was all turnover. And then, like I say, that, you know, the crash came and people stopped hiring. And I knew that we had nice clients, but they now didn't want what we could offer so that's when I really started to get into the training side. And also we hope we had boxes at the O2. So we opened an events business. We had a facilities management business. I bought a, um, or I acquired a financial services business. So, and there's a few others. So loads of different businesses. And it just so happened that it was the training business that really took off. And then for the next 10 years, it was, it was a combination, a really good combination because they were so collaborative of training and recruitment because we would train people. They'd now become great candidates. They were just our candidates and we were placing them. And then, you know, combined with the government contracts as well, we really, you know, that made us grow exponentially and got valued at 32 million. But there was lots and lots of ups and downs, you know, in between for sure. Yeah, of course. And and you won a you got awarded an MBE for that for that yeah. business, right? And that was that mainly your work with young people. Is that correct? In um well, it was more it was working with um employment, I think it was services to employment and business. And obviously young people were a part of that, but for a long time, newly unemployed professionals are part of that because post uh, 2009, you know, you had a load of great people, but in their 50s, let's say, who'd who'd been in a job for maybe 20 years had no CV or anything because they'd never thought they'd have to go and apply for another job. And we had to retrain all of them as well. So, but also I was very aligned to government. I became known as a sort of an employment expert. And so they would always be calling me in and I'd be having coffees with different, you know, we had the skills ministers in our office lots of times, the employment ministers. 
because I was based, my main office was based on Strand. And so it's really, you know, then you get called in to give evidence at parliamentary committees. And so even now there are certain things that I sort of said that became influence policy, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that's what really what caused the MBE because, you know, for example, I remember once raising the fact that looked after children who are basically in foster care, they get sort of all allowances. And if they were to take an apprenticeship, they lose all their allowances. And I brought that up, you know, to everybody's, um, it was just a silly thing, really, a silly bit of red tape. And then that was abolished. And then they have more opportunities. So there's a few little things like that, you know, and I talked about things that small businesses needed to grow more. So when you get yourself more involved in trying to make a wider impact, obviously, there's not many people that do that. And that's why I got the MBE. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, Thank you. So, so what did you then look to do? So what what was the point of exit of this business to transition? Because I know, obviously, you've been podcasting, you've been writing books, you've been training business yeah. owners, lots of stuff. So what was kind of that transition like? And how did that all come about? Yeah, I think, you know, it's to do with, you know, if you're someone who wants to learn stuff all the time, and, you know, you're really into personal development, um, that again that meets you makes you sort of be looking around for opportunities and then you get your business to a point where it's running nicely I mean there's still problems but you have a bit of a management team and I've got to 130 staff you start to sort of really be a bit more specific about your goals I've been, always been goal orientated I've written goals since 1987 I've got them still you know and it's um, very important, right? And it's uh, something yeah. that it's a very base, like quite a baseline thing that people can do that they just don't do, right? And I know. It, and if you don't know, it's cliches, but these cliches are true. If you don't know where you're trying to get to, you you probably won't get there, you know. So I used to love writing goals and then they became processes and intentions and all that as as the years developed. But um, one what came out of that was my own internal reflection that I really wanted to change my own fitness you know so in 2016 I would have been how old would I have been then about 54 I think and what you're told as a female is that and I was always you know energetic but I started my body didn't quite look as I wanted it to anymore and and you're sort of told that okay so that's what happens you slow down you go through menopause you're a bit you know ugh. And I thought, no, that's that's definitely not what's going to happen. And um, basically, I started weight training. My son, he was about 25 at the end at the time. I noticed his body was changing shape. He was weight, weight training. He was eating sort of five, six meals a day. And I was doing the typical sort of cardio and running around and eating not very much. And I sort of started to change my fitness habits and just became so energetic as a result of it. And I, it was in the Daily Mail. It said something like CEO age 55 with abs of steel, you know, was the headline. Um, but it just creates so much attention. And um, I was shocked myself what I was able to do and how strong I felt and how I looked better than I was when I was 25, you know, and how I felt better as well. Um, and so I became very passionate about that. And then alongside, and I think because of the energy, what's happened is you do more things. So then I wrote, a book for young people, how to start your first career. Then I wrote another book for teachers, how to teach your students to get ready for work. And then I got this, I did this podcast series in 2017 called I Want to Be A, a careers podcast designed for kids and for teachers. So they could sit with their mums and dads and sort of say, oh, I want to be an accountant. I used to interview people at the top of their game and ask them how they got there and what their advice was. Um, And, and, you know, people started saying to me, what, what are you doing? How do you do that? You know, you, you look so fit and all the rest of it. And so I started sharing my ways and 
immediately on my, with my team to start off with, you know, of all those staff, 130 staff sprinkled over 14 offices, I put step challenges in. So like, okay, if we do 30 million steps between us in a month, everyone, you know, I'm going to put 10,000 into um, help a help a London child and things like that, you know, so it was all those types of initiatives. So everybody was leaving the offices, everyone was walking. I had a lady with pre-diabetes, in fact, she had diabetes. She got better. She started training weights. I then started training Amazing innovation, actually, to get uh, an entire team, you know, actually trying to do something for somebody else, right? Because I I thought you were going to say, put 10,000 as a bonus to spread about, but actually to that's a great innovation. And then I sort of started teaching them about podcasts because a lot of people didn't know about podcasts then. So, okay, so now you're walking, listen to a podcast. And then I started, then I got meditation lamps for every office and started saying, okay, if anyone needs time out to do 15 minutes meditation, there's going to be a meditation space in every office. So people started learning that. And um, and anyway, I built up this picture of things to do. And then I created these modules, which were basically, and I called it your body means business. I had a moment of inspiration because I thought when you get your body, which is your vehicle in optimal performance, obviously you can't see it, but you can see your muscles, but you can't see your brain, but your brain is responding as well. And then your brain is working optimally. And after that, you can go and do all the business things that you want to do because up until then it was all strategy, strategy, strategy. What's the best strategy? How many hours shall I work? But I could see people at the desk burnt out, you know, eating, drinking blue drinks and like just not fueling their body. So it was a complete turnaround, hence my, you know, new direction. Yeah. And and I love that. You know, one of my coaches always said to me, Adam, it's not about time management. It's about energy management. Oh, yeah. Making sure that you have the energy to be able to, you know, really get through things, which is which is great. So, yeah. yeah so you so you built this uh, program and what sort of impact did um, really getting your fitness have? I mean, you've alluded to a few things there. If you were to be really specific and say like three or four things or five things that were really, really powerful, created change by getting on fitness. Um, that'd be great to hear. Perhaps. You mean the results of, of yeah, the results? Yeah, business absolutely. Results. What would it yeah. do for a business owner listening? Yeah. Actually really got dulled into their fitness. What kind of impact do you think that would have on their life? Well, um, you know, part of, cause I was doing alongside the physical fitness, I was doing a lot of um, mental fitness work as well, which is very much combined now. I think the two are interlinked and, um, and so part of that was creating an identity and I had my identity that I was building and I was every client, I sort of get them to identify who is it that they're becoming, who's their next version. So I was trying to create what I called the calm toned CEO, right? So I wanted to be calm, um, resilient. I didn't want to be triggered, you know, all of these things. And I would say that that worked unbelievably and everything else follows on because the problems don't go away. Um, you know, and you've got all that going on and we all know all this it's problems, everything from clients to cash flow, to staff, to, you know, all of it really. And there's always stuff. Um, but I just felt so calm and energetic because, you know, by the time I got into work, I'd done all my things. I'd done all my meditation. I'd done my workouts and everything. So I was very calm about everything. Everything felt a lot easier. Um, I felt like I had more time. Um, I was more interested in doing lots more things. And so as a result of all of that, like you get the results. So the results were the turnover shot up. I got the MBE about a year after I started. I mean, the MBE was awarded at the beginning of 2019. Um, You know, so I'd been sort of in in that mindset. I had the uh, podcasts. I had people knocking on the door wanting to come and work for me. Um, 
you know, everything was better, really, um, in terms of how I felt about about the business. And I think in the end, that's the most important thing, isn't it? Is how you feel. Because if you feel your business is great, doesn't matter what the turnover is. Some people can be on 10 million or 20 million or 2 million, but still feel like shit. You know, excuse my French, you know, they can still feel like they're not good enough and everything. Other people who feel good anyway, and that's the key, is you can get yourself to feel really, really good no matter what happens, and that can't touch you. And then you're very resilient and you find you're braver as well. You know, you take more risks. Absolutely. And and for some people listening, right, because this is the thing that you see, as you would have seen yourself with business owners, is sometimes a business owner can get into so many bad habits they kind of live a, a lifestyle that they're very, very used to. So making the change and actually taking the first steps can be one of the hardest things. Yeah. But actually, once they make the change and change that direction, you know, everything can start to change for them. When you decided to make this change, what were some of the small things that you did, like right at the beginning, yeah. you know, taking you back to, right, I'm going to focus on my fitness. What were just one or two of the things that you did that changed your philosophy and took you down a different path? Well, I think, um, you know, we can all say we all know what to do to get a six yeah. pack and get fit, <laughs> don't we? And we don't do it, though, do we? So a lot of it is trying to tap into, well, why, why bother? Because I remember years ago being in a treadmill and thinking, oh, you know, OK, I've done it all week, but I'm going to have to do this the rest of my life. And I really don't want to. So <laughs> there wasn't enough um, like drive, you know, up until that point. But I think for me, it was tapping into longevity. It was thinking, like I started to read about longevity and I run a program on longevity now. And I started to read all the science and what it was saying was that, you know, we are actually programmed to live to 156, the latest figures are. We should be routinely living to past 120. And if that's the case, and, you know, your listeners are like 40, 50, 60 like me, we've got a long, long way to live, a long, long time to live, you know. And so if you cultivate a longevity mindset where you actually that it has lots of good impacts. You know, firstly, you stop being in such a rush that you don't have to get your business all sorted by this year. Like you could do it for 10 years. And you start to realize that you've got many, many careers ahead of you. And, you know, that you stop saying things like, oh, I should have done this because you think, well, I could do this next. And so when you have that longevity mindset, it sort of then becomes exciting. Now what you realize, though, is you have only got this one vehicle, this one body. It's the only one we have. And so if you really want to have this longevity mindset and do all these things and and relax and be happy while you're doing it, you've got to look after it. I mean, people have a a car, an amazing car. They look after their car, don't they? Much better than they do their body. And it astounds me still how people just abuse their body so much, not on purpose always, but, but it's the last thing that they look after. And yet they're making sure that they get their car maintained and put it in the garage at night and put the right fuel in it and get it cleaned. I mean, but they don't do the same with their body. So I think the things you do is you start to think about your future. You, you, you know, a lot of people have got that mindset of, wow, I'm going to retire and I'm, you know, I should have done this, but I didn't. What if you did have another 50, 60 productive years? What if, and what would you do with that? How amazing could that be? You could have loads of different new careers. If you're single, you could have, because I'm a relationship coach as well. You could do lots of different relationships, 10 year, lots of 10 year marriages, if you want, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things ahead that people can do, but they've got to get their body in order. And for me, that was the thing. I didn't want to look or feel a bit jaded anymore. I didn't want to look subpar. I wanted to be as good as I could possibly be. And, you know, I just posted something on my Instagram yes, uh, a couple of days ago. Me now, me five years, even since 55 turning 60, 
I look so much better and stronger. And this is not me being vain. It's just a fact. You know, I look so much better and stronger now, five years later. You can age backwards. Yeah, I was stunned, you know, just for those of you that have listened to this on audio, not video. But when Andrea told me she was 60, I was genuinely shocked. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's possible. Right, which is thank unbelievable. You. Yeah, yeah so, thank you. Really, 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 really good. Look, I think that there's, you know, some really useful things. What what I like to, you know, kind of ask, just from that whole career that you've had, if you were to kind of just summarise maybe two or three really big, juicy tips for the people listening about yeah. two or three things they could do. I'm, I'm guessing one of them is without doubt their fitness. Um, but two or three things, perhaps your biggest sort of, you know, um, advice you would give to business owners, aspiring business owners, people that want to become more successful. What would yeah. you say to them, Angela? Right. Well, um, the first one is just stop for a minute and get your priorities straight. I know you've probably got children, mortgages, staff, businesses and everything else. But, you know, your priority is you, isn't it? Because if you don't wake up tomorrow or if you are debilitated tomorrow, you can't look after any of that. So really, really look at that. And you don't it doesn't have to be overly complicated, really. You know, start walking a lot more. Do do like three workouts. You can do it from home. Eat some proper food, which is just like as a caveman would eat. There's nothing. You don't have to cut out food groups. You know, eat quite a lot of good food, drink loads of water and get to bed on time. I mean, that's just the basics, really, of fitness. And you will be astounded within a couple of weeks, even how the body responds. A bit like when we have a scratch and it heals, your body heals all over really quickly. Then you'll feel really good. The second thing is um, be clear about what you want to do. And it's going to be probably a reflection of your passions. You don't know what your passions are. Just be thinking about what's around you. If you're looking at your desk, you know, what, what do you go to read when um, you've got a spare minute? If you're at a party, what do you end up talking about with your mates? You know, that's what your passion is really. So if, if, think about what you want to do. It's going to be a combination of your passion, but then there's going to be a combination of your skills as well. What are you really good at? Um, and if you're not doing it, don't just be, be sad about it. Um, but equally, don't change it tomorrow. Don't drop everything. But just work out a way of you could get in there over a period of years. It's like there's no rush. You know, you really don't have to um, rush this. Um, and the third thing is, I suppose, is think about your um, emotional well-being. So many people say, oh, I'm going to be really happy when. Yeah. And like really, really, you know, when, when I just get this done, then I can relax and go on holiday. But, you know, as you get older, you realize that there is no guarantees for tomorrow. So You've got to, but that doesn't mean drop everything and go on holiday and abandon it all. But what it does mean is you've got to practice focusing on the things you're grateful for and um, realizing that's the only thing that matters is today, being happy today. Honestly, that's all that really matters. Yeah. I I think that's some. Fantastic advice there, Andrew. Really, really great stuff. So um, where, where can people get in touch with you, Andrew? Where's the best people for contact to contact you? I know you said you mentioned your fitness program. Certainly there might be some people that are interested in doing that, that are listening. You know, I certainly would say that's a great thing for people to do, without a doubt. Where's the best place for people to kind of learn more about you or get in touch yeah. with you? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we run like three programs. Really. It's called Your Body Means Business. People just want to get their body in order. It's a body program. People that just want to change their career, start a business or get a new job. It's a, it's a careers program called Careers Mastery. Um, or there's a combination where I do some private coaching on everything. And then I end up talking to people about, you name it, the house, their relationship and everything in between. 
But you can just get in contact with me on my Instagram at Angela Middleton or on my LinkedIn at Angela Middleton. That's probably the easiest. Fabulous. Well, look, thank you very much for coming on, sharing your philosophy around your fitness, sharing the philosophy around, you know, business. It's, it's fantastic. You've had such a great career and, you know, really some great valuable contributions there. So big thank you. Oh, and thank to- you so much. Pleasure, pleasure. And to to everyone that's been listening, we've got more and more great, great interviews coming up like this. If you haven't already, make sure that you've subscribed to the podcast so you can keep up to date. And if you get a moment, you know, we don't run ads on this podcast. We don't promote this podcast. But what we would love you to do in a small ask is just to share this episode with somebody that you feel would need to hear it. Perhaps somebody that's not living their best life. Perhaps somebody that's not um, currently at their peak level of fitness. Maybe you're worried about them. Take the link, go and share this with someone so you can inspire somebody and help somebody today. Big thank you from myself and Angela. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode very soon. Hi everybody, Adam here, and I hope you loved today's episode. hope you thought it was fabulous, and if you did, I'd like to ask you a small favour. Could you jump over and go and give the podcast a review? Of course, I'll be super grateful if that is a five-star review. We're putting our all into this podcast for you, delivering you the content, giving you the secrets, and if you've enjoyed it, please go and give us a review and talk about what your favourite episode is, perhaps. Every single month, I select someone from that review list to come to one of my exclusive academy days and have lunch with me on the day, meeting hundreds of my clients. So if you want that to be you, then you're going to be in with a shout if you go and give us a review on iTunes. Please, of course, do remember to subscribe so you can get all the up-to-date episodes. Peace and love, and I'll see you very, very soon. Thank you.